0: Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers.
1: Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest and is not to be interpreted as medical advice.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement for part three of our interview with Dr. Carla Hannaford. Dr. Hannaford is a biologist, a kinesiologist, and an educator with more than 40 years of teaching experience. She has been recognized by the Who's Who in American Education, received awards from the University of Hawaii and the American Association for the Advancements of Science for Outstanding Teaching, and in 2006, she was a Distinguished Lecturer for the National Association of Elementary School Principals. In addition, Dr. Hannaford is a prolific author, and she has written four books about learning, movement, and the brain. One of those books is entitled, Smart Moves, Why Learning Is Not All In Your Head. And now here is our guest, Dr. Carla Hannaford, and our host, Rebecca Rogers.
2: There's another thing that happens, let me bring it in now too, but Mark Bauerlin did a big study and found too that these teenagers, cannot pick up, understand facial expressions or body language. That's the main way we get information from each other. And it's because they're, you know, texting each other but they're not looking at the other person. We know that the face, for instance, has all these muscles that when I'm talking to you, the muscles of your face are actually moving in response to mine in order for you to understand what I'm feeling and what I'm really saying. Okay, because words don't do it. It's, you know, that facial and body language. And they did a study with people that had strokes so that one side of the face was paralyzed. Greatest thing that bothered them was that they couldn't understand the emotions of others. So they thought, wow, well, let's do a study with people that have Botox, you know, injections where the, the face is paralyzed. And sure enough, those people could not understand the emotions of others, and in many cases, could not feel those emotions themselves. Wow, that's yeah.
1: huge. It's it's really it is. <laughs> it's really huge, and I and I love how you were able to immediately also not just explain this process of how to deal with. Or how to understand what's happening with the stress that is negative stress, but then that there are things you can do,
2: like walking, which was well, great you, advice. You know, just a simple thing: unrolling your earlobes from top to bottom will, You know this. This is huge too. Five thousand years ago, the the Yellow Emperor in China talked about the fact that in the ear are all of these points that actually activate the whole body to wake up to be aware and to be integrated now there's 60 journals coming in monthly into the national medical library in washington dc just on traditional chinese medicine and guess what they discovered we have meridian system and that here in the ear every time you, you are activating this area of the ear you're activating your feet hmm. and as you come around you're activating the spine and you're activating the head there you go you reflexology on the ears <laughs> exactly so it's scientific
1: absolutely there you have the scientific background to support all of this theory and all of this information you're giving us today. I want to move to your other book. You you touched a little bit on it a little earlier, is the Dominance Factor book, because I think that book is fascinating as well. The title of the book is Dominance Factor, Knowing Your Dominant Eye, Ear, Brain, Hand, or Foot, and How It Can Improve Learning. Now tell us, how does that work? You did mention that a little earlier. How can a parent help their child figure out if they do have a dominant side or if they don't, what to do? Just give us some ideas. Of course, the listeners can go and purchase the book, which has all the specific information, but you can give us some ideas to get started. Yes, I can.
2: We're all different. You know, we really are. And uh, when I was working with Bob Samples, we were saying, oh, there can't be mixed dominance. Well, from my research, about 90% of people are mixed dominant. What happens is I, I get a lot of parents coming to me, you know, and they'll say, my kid never listens to me. The child is, has their ear on the same side as their dominant brain. And so when they're under stress and when the parent's under stress, the child's under stress, the child will not hear the parent. Now, I know, like with my husband, there's, you know, he's picking up some things. But but otherwise, it's not that they're trying to be bad. It's that they're just, they're blocked on that when they're stressed. And all of these special ed kids that are blocked totally on the right, I mean, that shut down. I know this one well because that's my profile. And for a long time, I thought it was Einstein's. (laughs) But (laughs) I found out that he is actually left-handed. He was left-handed. But um, because I worked with a woman that was studying his brain in Canada. You know, so we get people like Einstein that are in school, and they're not Einsteins in school. But they have something that they need, that we are missing especially in our school system. Our school system is very linear oriented, very left brain oriented. And we start early and we start goofy things like asking children to read at the age of four when the eyes cannot converge and don't work well until about the age of seven and a half. And then they don't become lifelong readers these children that shut down boys too. Here's another thing with boys, they need to move longer than girls. You know, they need to move more than girls. Girls can sit still longer than boys. We're not honoring the the individuality of each child. It's kind of what we call an assembly line education at this moment. We take children that, that the same age, put them in the same classrooms, give them the same materials, many of which have no contextual interest to them at all in their life, and then expect them, you know, and then grade them and say, "Oh, you're okay, and you're not," and it doesn't work. Denmark has the fine, well, Denmark. I actually, most of the Scandinavian countries are the highest education in the world. There's no testing before the age of 12, no testing. The children don't start to read until about the age of seven and a half or eight. They are given a lot of freedom to explore and to go deep in their understanding of of subjects and where their interests are. Back to the dominant stuff, what I found, I have to say, is that we are, everybody is so unique so different and how we process the world we process it through our genetics which may be the dominance patterns these show up from my research what i found is they showed up at nine weeks in utero the moral reflex it's our survival reflex so we have these lead functions like without having to think about it if i have to fight this my right hand comes out if i'm having to run my right leg comes out i don't have to think about it my eyes We're not totally binocular because we have this nose between our eyes. So we have actually a dominant eye that will be the lead eye and the other will follow it. Again, we have a lead ear and we have a lead hemisphere. If you look at a a positron emission tomography scan of the brain under stress, what you will see is that the non-dominant side of the brain actually shuts down like I, what I said, 75 to 85%. So you only have one side that's actually functioning. That is for survival, it's our lead function. But it also affects the way we come at our world, how we see our world.
1: This is your host, Rebecca, and now we will take a short break and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com and discover how we can help you help yourself or call 877-957-7387 extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387 extension 101. Caregiver Survival 101 because care starts with you.
2: It also affects the way we come in our world, how we see our world. Like I'm right brain dominant, and so my first perception of the world is a gestalt. I see the big picture, and I oftentimes miss those little details that are so important. And so here are these special ed kids who are also right brain dominant. What are we doing? Everything is this linear, tiny, detailed orientation in our education system, in our curriculum. I'm seeing it worldwide. I work in 50 countries worldwide. And any countries that have are using the British school system, they have the same problem. And it was interesting in China, in uh, actually Hong Kong, the superintendent of schools there was in my training. And so he and this other woman that was in the training went, they what they do in Hong Kong is they take the top 10% and put them in a special school. And they take the bottom 10% and they grade them just like we do in the United States, and it's a British system. Put them in another school by themselves. So they went into those schools and did dominances on the top and the bottom. And guess what? The bottom were all gestalt learners. They were all right brain. And the top were all logic, left brain dominant. Learners, truly, I hear you talk, and this is
1: something that I have seen myself, and have thought, and have seen plenty of evidence. And it's so wonderful to hear a
2: scientist like you just put it beautifully into words. What's most important is to realize that we're all we're all unique, and that, like for instance, there are people that are blocked on their eyes when there's a stressor, they're gonna close their eyes or they're gonna look at something amorphous and they won't be looking at us when we're talking. And I've talked to teachers about this. At least half the children are blocked on their eyes. At least half children are blocked on their hearing. So in a classroom to actually ask the children, eyes forward, look at me, you're gonna miss half those kids if there's any stress. If you're asking the children to hear and all you're doing is lecturing, and that's what happens in a lot of educational systems, we need to be using all the senses to really get the information in. And children need to be talking to each other to anchor the information. That's the best way we anchor it is by talking about it. You know, but we try to keep kids quiet. But anyway, so half the kids are blocked on their hearing so what do you do? In the class, every 10 minutes, you say, okay, unroll your earlobes, and they will hear it, and they will also remember it because the ears are direct conduits into our memory system. So that's <laughs> a great advice for parents and caregivers that to help the kids
1: pay attention to literally stimulate the area around the ears. Mm-hmm. Do you see that related to... Uh, to the fact that maybe kids that
2: have autism have a certain side of the brain dominance? I would say that most of the autistic children are gestalt, for one thing, and they're extremely sensitive, and usually they're very brilliant. And why they don't look at faces is because there is so much information going on in the face. Just what I was telling you about the mirror neurons. You know, there's more... There are more muscles here. There's more stuff going on in the face. So it's it's confusing to them because there's so much, and they're very sensitive. So it's overstimulating. It's overstimulating. You gave us some ideas about...
1: Some activities, and because you do mention in your uh, dominance factor book, brain beneficial movement menu, and I take it the crosswalk. I, I saw that you have tai chi there, the slow movement, which is great, and then the stimulation
2: of the earlobes. You want to mention one more before we move the eyes. Probably the most profound one that you can do that activates everything, I mean, it really gets everything, is called the hookups from Brain Gym, where you cross one ankle over the other, and it's it's good to do this standing, because again, you're going to need the vestibular system to, to keep your balance, and then you put your hands out, back of the hands together with the thumbs down, then lift one hand over the other, roll them under, so that they are laying resting on your chest, put your tongue on the roof of your mouth, and just get real present. This is called the hookups. And uh, it is fabulous in what it does. And if anybody has questions of how they look,
1: they just need to buy your book. And there's a picture right there, right?
2: (laughs) Right. All the pictures are there.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. So the name of the book is Dominance Factor. How Mm -hmm. knowing... What side you have dominance of eyes, ears, and the brain can help you learn. And you can then help your child figure Mm -hmm. out what side of the brain
2: is functioning best for them. And this can even work for college students. It can work for anybody. I actually work with corporations, and we figure out everybody's dominance. I work with whole families. When families come to me, you know, I immediately do dominance profiling. And then you can see how each person in the family functions with each other. The book is good because it actually gives you some ways of doing that. And then in there you find the profile, the specific profile, and it gives a lot of ideas of things that can be done those are all explained in there too. Because if you can see
1: what part of your brain you're using to process information, then it makes more mm-hmm. sense how you're behaving and responding to it, correct? Yeah, Fantastic. True. You have also a couple of other books. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if anybody is more interested in finding out more about them, of course, at the end of the program, we're going to talk about your website.
2: But go ahead and uh, give us a little bit of an idea. One is Awakening the Child Heart, uh, which is a handbook for parents. The focus of it is the heart. To me, as a neurophysiologist, this is some of the most exciting research. That there is out there because back in the, in 1962, Dr. Amoir at the at Yale University wrote a, a big tome in Scientific American. He was studying. He's a cardiac anatomist, and he discovered that there are 80% more fibers going from the heart to the brain than the other way around. And he had the audaciousness to say that probably the heart controls the brain. And we all said, nah, it's just a pump. In the 1970s, two researchers discovered that the heart produces two very powerful hormones that actually control brain function via the pituitary. And then we started looking at it. And what we realize now is the heart actually controls the brain. Have you noticed that you'll walk into a room and immediately you know something's wrong, even though people aren't saying anything or, or showing it? The heart is giving us that information. And our children are doing that too. They're picking that up. You know, they're not, babies do not see when they're born. I mean, the, the way we do it all, but they're picking us up. This heart thing is really important. And what we've realized is that what's really important is being present, being absolutely present, being present with each other, being present with our children, with our spouses, with the people that we meet. Psychologists say that that. People, children especially, need only 15 minutes a day of somebody being absolutely present with them. Do we put down what we're doing and just be there with them? I think that doesn't happen today in our hurried society. And children need that. And I think one of the big things, this explosion with the, the cell phones and stuff, is they're trying to make connection. They're attempting to really do that, but the real connection is that connection of person to person. Touch. Very important. Every time we touch someone, we and they produce brain-derived nerve growth factor, which helps these nerves to grow that are growing each day, okay? And children will be bad just to be spanked because at least if they're hit, touched, they know they're real. Reaching out, touching, being present is key to who we are and how to parent and how to just be in our world. That's lovely. And I guess another word just to love. To, to love. love
1: truthfully mm-hmm. and to share a truthful connection with someone else. And in the case of parents, to love our children purely and completely, and that is really that whole definition of what you're saying to me. Yeah. That's defined in what true love should be. Is one that that shows mutual respect, but at the same time, uh, is one that nourishes us from the very bottom of our of our being. Right. So you said it so beautifully.
2: We judge people, and we judge people from our perception our reality which isn't really very accurate you know and a lot of times we judge people because we're judging ourselves every little child is a master (laughs) every person on the planet has their story and is is beautiful Is you know if we give ourselves the chance to connect to truly listen in that way from the heart. And everybody can be a gift to each
1: other if we allow ourselves to be. I was going to ask you as we came to the end here
2: to give me a gem. Is that what it would be? Tell be me what passionately it is. curious. Play. We have a short lifetime. I realize as I get older, I have this little tiny lifetime. And I want to play, and I want to play with people, and I want to see them. I, I love it. In, um the word jumbo is a uh, greeting in Swahili. What it, what it means is, I see you. Hmm. Isn't that beautiful? It is beautiful. So it's, it's you know, it's really... Experiencing, exploring our world with passionate curiosity. Oh, wow. I love it. And if you are exploring the world
1: passionately and allowing yourself the freedom to play, and and that is truly where play can start. When we accept that you have created creative thoughts, and I may have creative thoughts, and let's see what we can do with them
2: together. And that communion. That love. And I have to say, my greatest teacher have been children. They're still open and innocent and loving. Thank you, Dr. Hannaford. That's, this was a very nourishing
1: conversation. <laughs> you know, that the thing that I love about my, my work here is that I get to just meet people like you that truly enhance my world. And so I want to thank you for that. And I'm sure that a lot of the caregivers here and the parents, uh, that heard our conversation, I hope that, that they were able to get, and I'm sure they were able to get some really powerful information that would be able to help them but before you go i want to honor your time by again giving you an opportunity to to give a title of your books and where
2: they can be bought. The first book is? Smart Moves, Why Learning is Not All in Your Head. And all of the books, they can be got at any of the bookstores in the world, as far as I know. At least three of them are in 18 languages. They're at Amazon.com. That's the first one. And that's probably a really good one as a broad base. And then the dominance factor, that you can get it through Amazon. Thank you so much, Dr. Hanniford. For coming to visit us today, Thank you also for all of your
1: work. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me in this mission. And we just heard Dr. Carla Hannaford, author of the book Smart Moves, why learning is not all in your head. One of four books that you can purchase at Amazon.com. To learn more about Dr. Hannaford's work, you can visit her website at Carlahannaford.com. That is H-A-N-N-A-F-O-R-D.com. Remember that in our program we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. What if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lysol Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387 extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387 extension 101 for an initial free phone consultation. Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement for part three of our interview with Dr. Carla Hannaford. Dr. Hannaford is a biologist, a kinesiologist, and an educator with more than 40 years of teaching experience. She has been recognized by the Who's Who in American Education, received awards from the University of Hawaii, and the American Association for the Advancements of Science for Outstanding Teaching, and in 2006 she was a distinguished lecturer for the national association of elementary school principals in addition dr hannaford is a prolific author and she has written four books about learning movement and the brain one of those books is entitled smart moves why learning is not all in your head thank you so much for joining us today here on lifestyle improvement And don't forget to join your host, Rebecca Rogers, again next Sunday morning at 7.30 for more tips on lifestyle improvement.